but you see me, see grace, see the grace of God, see the love of God, see the truth of what the atoning blood of Jesus can do, that it wipes away sin, and then through that you're given power, through the resurrection you're given power over sin. See that, see grace, see, see a daily grace, see someone that still makes mistakes, but understands that he's living under an umbrella and a love of God that says, you know what, I still see you as good. And if you can do that for me, you can do it for anyone else. And welcome to the Together Podcast. It's a conversation about faith justice and how to help change the world. I am Anna and I'm here with Adam. Hello. Adam is our video and <laughs> photo. Uh, design and video producer. Design and video term. producer. Okay. Yeah. So anything on YouTube, you probably like, yeah, you might see my face on YouTube or anything on YouTube I edit or most of the stuff on uh, the Instagram, I design and things, so yeah. Totally gonna go back and yeah. be like, Adam is our design video producer, <laughs> so that I don't look bad. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Julian, who's the project manager for the Afro-Caribbean engagement team at Tier Fund. He's also the senior relationships manager for our youth team at We Are Tier Fund, and he's also a reverend at The Rock NTCG. But before we hear from Julian, it's time for our link-up section. The, this is where we link up the intersection of faith and justice and hear from one of you or someone here. Now... I want to make sure that no one leaves this summer without feeling like they've really connected with you yeah. on a heart on a deep heart level. level. Yeah. yeah. So this is a deeper question than the other questions. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, if you could turn back time and talk to your 16-year-old self, yeah, would you like to sing No. <laughs> I'd like to sing it quietly to, back to me. Yeah. Um, if you could turn back the time yeah. and talk to your 16-year-old self, what would you tell him? I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not that deep. I don't think That's it's okay. not it's not that deep. I would tell them to get into like things that I'm interested in now, like uh, in the last like year or in, in in like lockdown, I discovered like climbing, and it's like pretty much the only like sport that I've ever enjoyed, like or like exercise even really that I've ever like properly enjoyed doing. But if I'd known that, yeah when I was 16 then maybe I'd be a better climber than I am now <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh yeah I don't, I don't know what else like not to stress about exams I wasn't even like the most stressed person about exams but not that they uh, I don't it's not like it's not like don't, they don't yeah <laughs> <laughs> not that they don't matter. it's not yeah it's not that they don't matter but they you can you don't have to be defined by it for mm. the rest of your life if you don't get exactly mm. what you wanted. But that's not a reason not to try. You know, they're definitely an achievement still. But you can, you know, overcome, you know, uh, uh, a negative grade or whatever. Mm. Or bad grade. Yeah. That is so true. What would, I, you ask, what would you say to your 16 year old self? What would I say? Okay. I would say to my 16-year-old self, go to bed earlier. <laughs> I used to, I don't know if my parents know this, I used to go to bed at like 4am every day and I used to go to school on like four hours of sleep. Like that was just stupid. I think I must have looked like deaf regularly. So then just go to sleep early because I think that then that helps your emotions. Because you were like just watching TV? Or yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. it's just... Because I hadn't really, like, I didn't grow up with a lot of internet. Yeah. Like, we didn't have, um, like, Wi-Fi. So it's only when I was, like, 14 that we had Wi-Fi. Because we used to have, like, a memory stick of internet. Right. 
so then it was like when we got Wi-Fi, like honestly, it was like the whole world was opened yeah. up to me, and I yeah. got Instagram and like social media at the same time, and we got like yeah. Netflix. If it was, was it around when we were sixteen? Yeah, well, probably when we were sixteen, it yeah. would have been around. Yeah, I'm talking like I'm ancient. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching a lot of Teen Wolf actually. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd go to bed <laughs> earlier. The second thing I think I would say is you don't need an adult to affirm your talent. I think I was waiting for like a church leader to be like, "This is what you're called to do." Actually, you have God. Yeah. Like God can tell yeah. you first and foremost. And I think the other thing I went on Tumblr, and Tumblr just makes you way more deep than you need to be. And I think like as much as you might feel validated by those quotes, which go like, "No one understands my pain." Da da da. Sometimes it's better just go talk to a friend, <laughs> get a bit of perspective, and you're doing okay. Um, Is Tumblr still around? I don't know. Yeah, well, I haven't thought about Tumblr in a long time. But what about from a faith perspective? What would you say to a 16-year-old self? Yeah, I mean, I like, I was Christian by 16, mm. but um, yeah, I do you know, read your Bible more often, pray more often, but these yeah. are like, these are also things I'd say to myself now, so yeah. like, yeah. there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things like that, yeah, I don't know, that are good advice for anybody at any age that yeah. I definitely go back and That's give true. to myself at, at 16, yeah, especially regarding faith and things. My dad would always ask me if I'd done my devotional, and I used to just tick, like, my devotional had like a square where you ticked it off every yeah. day, and I used to just, one time I think I went through two months and just ticked them all <laughs> Well, I had this the other day, like, I have, like, the the Bible app on my yeah. phone, and it has, like, notifications, but I think that's such, like, a, a you know, it's like the, the digital age we're living in, when the Bible is the same as some notification from some app that yeah. I don't, you know, bother, like, you yeah. know, like that. it's so easy to just be like, ah, I don't want to read the verse yeah. of the day today or whatever, like, yeah, yeah I think it's a, it's an interesting, mm. like, place to, not that having your Bible on your phone is a bad thing, but yeah, interesting that it's it like sometimes to me it just becomes like a, another app that's yeah. easy to kind of dismiss and and go past. Mm. Yeah. And I I actually find I read more of my Bible if I'm reading my paper yeah, copy because yeah. I'll just like keep flicking through. Also, I think it's like when you get into the Word, you're then like, wow, this is so great, yeah. it's so encouraging, I feel much stronger. It's just the battle to get like, yeah. to get there. Um, cool. So yeah, if you're struggling to read the Word. Get some friends around you, get some accountability, and go to bed earlier. Because often <laughs> yeah. it's literally because we're going to bed late, you know. Yeah. We can over-spiritualise it when it's like, just get a good routine. But no, that's really good. Thank you, Adam, for yeah, all of that. Too. I Yeah, I feel like I've known you more. I now know you yeah. more uh, because of it. But if you were listening at home and you want to submit a question of your own, we are waiting on you. <laughs> go to at we are Fun's Instagram page and send us a DM. What would you tell your 16-year-old self? If you're 16, was our advice helpful? Do you go to bed What would you tell us about what we should be telling our 16-year-old selves? That's actually true, yeah, yeah. If you knew us when we were 16, what would you suggest we need to give advice for? Um, But yeah, we love hearing from you. This interview includes themes of drug usage, suicidal thoughts, sexual abuse and mentions of racism in relation to George Floyd's murder. This content may be difficult to listen to and therefore we encourage you to care for your safety and well-being by choosing whether to listen or not. If anything race makes you uncomfortable, please chat to someone you trust. Hello Julian, how are you? Hey Anna, I'm good thank you, how are you? 
Yeah, good, thanks. So nice to see you and be here with you. So Julian is our interim senior relationships man- manager for the youth team. He's also Afro-Caribbean engagement project manager and he's the youth pastor of The Rock NTCG New Testament Church of God Church. So we're so excited to have you here, Julian. That's cool. I'm excited to be here. Um, this, I'm sorry, this that was a mouthful, wasn't it? It's like loads of words for the roles makes it sound really important, but you know. It just shows that you're a talented man with, yeah, your fingers in many pies, doing different things. <laughs> um, it's, it's what I'm doing at the moment. So I'm, I'm grateful at the, at the end of the day. So it's all good. It's all good. How do you find working in so many Christian spaces? Are you like, um, oh, I need to go work for like a cafe or something or a shop or do you love it? Uh, I don't think I'll be great in a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know about the sugar situation. I feel like I've put too much sugar in people's stuff. I think personally, I, I, I'm okay with it. I I think I got to a space where I realized that I'm a Christian and I really love Christian spaces. So I'm okay with it. I don't, I'm not trying to be, I don't feel like I have to be in a secular space to feel in touch with the world. You know, I can do that regardless. So um, I am enjoying it. I, I feel like coming into working for Tear Fund, started about a year ago nearly, that opened my mind to what, a Christian company can actually look like an organization. So, and I've loved every moment of it. I enjoy being able to afford time to pray in the day and pray throughout the week and corporately coming together as mm. teachers, groups to pray and seek God. Like I like that. It was, it was a nice culture shock or culture change for me. So I don't mind. And then stepping out of that and going into church, church has just been my life in most, in most spaces. So it's just normal. I don't see it as a hindrance. I don't, make it, I, don't, I don't think it makes me any less sociable. It doesn't make me any less cool or relevant. You know, it's just, I'm fine with it. Uh, some people might have an issue, but I don't. I love that. That's so good because I feel like there's too many Christians who are like either embarrassed about the church or they're like, no, I'm in a Christian bubble. I need to get out mm. of it. But actually the fact that you still feel in touch with the world and you're like fully yeah. going for God, that's just amazing. Yeah, 100%. I think being a Christian doesn't mean that you're suddenly like completely that as much as we're on a journey to righteousness there's still spaces or is there still a journey space so you know you're going to find Christians that are still very much like just normal you know we're not we're not we're not floating on clouds you know I can have yeah. I can still talk about tv shows that I've watched the night before or or for sports or we can still go to a bar and watch some football with the guys you know there's or, or, or girls, but um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't like completely separate you. Um, you know, the Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world, do you know what I mean? So, mm. you have to find a way to be in the world and and survive and thrive and be be relevant and be um relatable. So, I don't mind, it's yeah, man, I love being a Christian. Um, and maybe maybe my goal is to change the moulds in people's brains when it comes to what is a Christian a Christian isn't this stuck up person that suddenly just turns away from certain things yes we have standards but we also have to be relatable and people have to see that this this is attainable for them as well you know so yeah we like the the UK the UK version of Mike Todd you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah take that claim that we haven't even started and I feel like we've already got like a word there about yeah Um, don't be in the world but you can still be part of it and be renewed I mean yeah yeah. it's just great but before we do get into like the thick of it we want to get to know you Julian just a bit more yeah 
So who would you say is like one of the biggest influences in your life? Um, there's a deep answer and then there's like a, a normal answer. So the normal answer would be like, um, oh gosh. Uh, this is kind of deep as well. My, I'd say my dad, <laughs> I'd say like my dad, um, mm. massive influence. And also my twin brother. Um, you have a twin? Yeah, no, yeah. Like, everyone has a twin. <laughs> it's so casual about having a twin. Is but everyone not, who doesn't not, have a twin wants a twin. We don't know anything different. This is all I've known. Like, people are like, oh my God, what's your life having a twin? I'm like, well, I don't know anything else. Like, I've always had yeah. so, um, non-identical, so we don't look alike. Um, but he's been a massive influence in my life, merely because we're best friends. Um, That's so cute. Out, not not even out of choice, really, but, you know, we just be used to, oh, we've always been together. And mm-hmm. um, just, I think, especially in the last few years, his journey in Christ has inspired me because he definitely stepped away from church, like left and wasn't coming back and <laughs> was was completely okay with being in the world. And his transformation um, and, and stepping into ministry really influenced and inspired me. So he's a massive influence. I mean, my dad's always been influenced, um, you know, not perfect, been shaky at points, but massive influence. My first male figure of um, influence, um yeah my, i'd say my parents my mom and my dad so those are my biggest influences i know it might sound like i should make always oh, it shouldn't be um i was about to say will smith and said it shouldn't be will smith you know <laughs> i'm gonna go slap people but you know i i'm I meant to mention i'm a celebrity but um if i was gonna mention a celebrity who was very influential when i was growing up david beckham i love david beckham interesting mate i was the I am still a very big David Beckham fan. The biggest Beckham fan out there. Yeah, no, no one can say a bad word about Bex. About, about Do you follow like, the family? Like oh, Victoria yeah, like, and the kids? Yeah, Brooklyn, not so much. Romeo's kind of cool. I like Romeo. He's kind of cool. Cruise is a bit weird. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Bex, Bex is still the main man. You know, he's just, he revolutionised the sport um, in terms of the celebrity status of football players. And we're only here where we are now because of him. And... I remember distinctly that day when we lost to Argentina and he got red carded. I remember watching the game and I remember the next day and everyone at school was like, oh, Beckham's awful. And the teachers were talking about it. That was my favourite cool. player. So, um, but I've seen him come back from that, lead the team, lead us back to the World Cup. You know, just saw his grit and determination. He wasn't always the most skilled player, but he made something, he, he made something work for him and, that's massive inspiration as well. I can see the deep love, the honor, respect yeah. just flowing out of you. Funnily right enough, now. It, on 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 a flip side, you know, being being that um, I am African Caribbean, I'm black. You know, I always wanted to have hair like David Beckham. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> I, I, I always say to people, as when I was young, I think I might have the complex because um, I always wanted to have the hair like that. <laughs> Whatever he did, you know, sometimes I wish I had curtains. I was like, I want to want curtains, but... Um, That's so funny. Yeah, he was just very much a massive influence in terms of, you know, that's why my that's my favourite number is number seven. You know, I tried to make a spin on it now. That's God, that's Jesus' number. Ooh, yeah, so sign of completion. It's, it's David Beckham. David Beckham is the reason why number seven is my favourite number. We, we appreciate your honesty. Thank you. So something that I feel I was talking, actually talking to someone about this this morning, I feel like sometimes as Christians, we're like stuck in the like striving for God's favor, trying to like please him, being like so afraid that he's going to be like annoyed and like condemn us and be like, get out, which is crazy because 
this is what we were saying like out of everyone in the world like we're the ones who know that one god has our back and like we can leave things at his feet and he decides to do things and he'll like look after us but also like we have the affirmation of god like the person who created well yeah the the thing that created absolutely everything like affirms us calls us children and gives us inheritance like it's so mad that as christians we're like so far away from yeah his love and his truth but I remember watching your consecration service and you talking about it's because of grace that you stand here. So I was just wondering if you could share a bit of your testimony and like how, you know, how the loving mercy and grace of God like got you here. Because I feel like we just don't understand enough, like how much God pours out his grace lavishly. I am I am an instrument of grace in terms of I know that I am only here because of grace. So my story is one. I grew up in church. I'm a, I'm a I'm not a pastor's kid. My, both my grandfathers were bishops. My current church denomination that I'm in, um, a family member started it in the 50s. Um, so church runs through my veins on both sides. People knew, people know my parents, know my grandparents. Um, always in, grew up in church, loved church, drummer, um, played drums in church, sang, all that kind of good stuff. And... Um, but I was always struggling with my identity. Um, I had a lot of insecurities. I experienced some childhood traumas. Um, so I was I was molested when I was eight. From about eight to well, between the age of eight and nine, I was molested. Um, hopefully that's not too deep for people to hear. Um, which caused a lot of identity issues, a lot of insecurity, mm-hmm. a lot of validation issues and I found myself looking for all those things in in various places whether that was um drugs um sex you know at, at stupidly early ages I'm talking I think I smoked my first cigarette at 10 I think I had okay. weed yeah I had, I had weed when I was 13 14 um and doing that for a good few years sexually active very early as well um so for a long time, and, th- and those were the spaces that I was finding validation. I was being cool. I was trying to be the hot shot. I was trying to be the hard man in school, you know, um, um, whilst dealing with the fact that I'm actually quite a sensitive soul and I love hard and love deep. Um, but then also dealing with going home and my parents aren't in the best space, like emotionally as, as, as in a marriage and trying to cope. Um, with that, you know, hearing arguments late at night that my brother was unaware of, but I was awake for, and, you know, that kind of, I took on a lot at an early age and got into a lot of rubbish. You know, that's the bottom line. I I got into a lot of rubbish. And um, all the while I got got saved, I say you say in inverted commas, but I gave my life to Christ at 10, got baptized at 16, um, you know, but all the while this is all still happening. Um, mm. I, you know, nearly killed myself when I was 18 after episode with weed. Um, you know, at every stage I feel like the, the enemy's always trying to take me out, you know. Um, and, you know, went to university and still dealing with all these insecurities and with it, just but dealing with them in the same way. So I'm hurting people and taking advantage of people um you know people's emotions and their and their and their love and care and just not in in hindsight there was parts of me that was wasn't a nice person it wasn't god um and to the point where i stopped calling myself a christian 
Mm. So I knew God. I, I knew what the Holy Spirit. I knew what it was like to feel the Holy Spirit. I knew uh, I spoke in tongues. I'd I'd seen the power of God in my life and other people's life. But you know, I was dealing with a lot in my heart, and it started played out in other areas of my life. So I was just not. I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a Christian. I was drinking. I was I was being very sexually moral. Um, and you know, there was just one one day where I, I heard a sermon and it just changed my life. Just hearing um, a preacher called Wayne Brown, Bishop Wayne Brown, just preach about sometimes the biggest enemy that you're facing is the one in the mirror. Um, wow. And you need to get over yourself. You need to get over what you're dealing with and face it and try and get over it. And I remember that day just thinking to myself, all right, cool. God, I'm dealing with a lot, but I want to I wanna try and do this. I know you're real. Like, I could never deny Christ, you know. <laughs> At one point, I was ready to leave the faith and say, I don't want to, I don't, I don't believe this Jesus is, um, um, I was into the, um, like, the Egyptology and the Semitic stuff. And, you know, I was saying, like, this is a, a white man's religion. I was, I was, mm-hmm. I was there and, you know, but I could never, when it came down to the crooks of it, I could never deny, never, never deny God. I couldn't deny that God was real. Um, as much as I was trying to find identity in that as well. But I couldn't that God's real. Heard that message. I remember saying, I think it was the 23rd of September, 2016. 2016, as I said, you know what, Lord? 2015, sorry. I was like, Lord, I'm just going to, I need to do this. I I just want to follow you and all that. And I was like, cool, I'm going to do this. And then six weeks later, I found out I was going to be a dad. So be, that wow. is, no, um, I'm like, and, I'm, and then I'm having to deal with, the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment of being a church boy in inverted commas um that is meant to be a christian that has now got someone pregnant that he's not with um not in a relationship with and you know that whole thing i don't know what it's like in other churches but especially in the black majority churches it's a it can it's like a stain sometimes you know um i was already kind of stepping towards ministry about them times and then I had to deal with that and I was angry. I was like, Lord, why have you allowed this? I was like, why did you allow this to happen? That's so funny. But I was like, why have you let this happen when I've just mm-hmm. made a decision? Um, but it was all to kind of continue to humble me and make me a better person. And, you know, I'm grateful for my son. He's six now. I love him so dearly. Um, but I know that it's all part of the journey. So people can see that God can take anyone, you know, anybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you've dealt with, um, you know, whether you've been abused, whether you've done madness, if you've done stuff that, you know, you, when you see me with a collar on, which I don't really take as a big thing, but people see it as a big thing. When you see me as a reverend, I'm in this role and I'm doing the work of the Lord, is to say that, you know, God can, you know, it's not about perfection. You know, it's it's about being utilised by God. And if mm-hmm. God, can, my statement is always, if God can use me, if God can actually utilise this man that was struggling with insecurity, struggling with his identity, didn't know how to deal with anger, didn't know how to deal with hurt, didn't know how to deal with rejection, if he can use me, then he can use anyone. And mm-hmm. that's why I say, when you see me, see grace, see the grace of God, see the love of God, see the truth of what the atoning blood of Jesus can do, that it wipes away sin 
and then through that you're given power through the resurrection you're given power over sin see that see grace see see a daily grace see someone that still makes mistakes but understands that he's living under an umbrella and a love of god that says you know what i still see you as good and if you can do that for me you can do it for anyone else and you know i think the struggle at the moment is that a lot of my messages always go down that road i know and i'm trying to think i'm, I'm trying to think myself like i need to be uh i, can't, I don't want to be a one-dimensional preacher <laughs> yeah but, yeah I speak from my experience. I mm. really think that God restores. He's a, he's a restoring God. He, he the, the whole essence of Christ was about restoring. It was about restoring right relationship. And if we miss that in our gospel message, we miss the essence of restoring and redemption and 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 making whole again. Then we've missed the whole story. We've missed mm. the whole. You know. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a product of grace. Yeah, no, that's really powerful because it says like on the cross, you know, by his wounds, by Jesus' wounds, like we are healed. And I think what really hit deep when someone was explaining that is that it's not just about like us becoming whole, but also about like by Jesus' wounds, like the world can be healed as well. And I think, you know, what you said about being worried about being one dimensional, like there's so much in that story of yours about like the injustice you face about, you know, family breakdown or abuse or like addiction, or even just like the shame of churches. Like, I think it's an injustice that there's shame that gets placed on people like that's not fair, but also how God like again and again has brought you out and does that with so many people. And I think it's like, I just think your story is really powerful because not only is it about like the father's like love for you and like how much he's been with you, but it's also about, well, I mean, I don't like assume anything of yours, yeah, just like justice isn't like one thing, like justice isn't just, you know, activism or it isn't just, I don't know, you've like emailed your MP or say, oh, those kind of like climate actions, like justice is also like seeing someone walk out healed and restored and continue to be restored. And I think that's just such a powerful sign of like God's justice over your life and his redemption and his restoration and righteousness. I mean, yeah, I can name all of the words, but I just, yeah, I think it's a really powerful testimony. And, and that's why, I, that's, I think that's why I'm the way I am. And especially with young people, you know, it's where, where I am, I'm like, you know, God really holds you. You need to understand this. And there's nothing you can ever bring to God that, what, like, he knows already, first of all, he knows. Yeah, what, you can't hide. can't hide. There's nothing that will disgust him. It will disgust God when we, when, when we speak. I'm just like, you know, we need to get past this whole legalism thing. You know, we're not, it's not about works. Christ mm. came to spell that. The whole point of him dying and becoming the ultimate sacrifice was to rid them of having to sacrifice um, and having to do the... No, it's not about words. And it's not about then, oh, we have license to go and do what the heck we want. It's it's about understanding that because of grace, I live right. Because of this gift of grace, this gift, this beautiful thing of grace, I choose to do, do what you want me to do. Um not because I'm trying to affirm or get your love. Fact matters, you, you, I've got it already. You know, it's my choice. Um, mm. You know, yeah, it's about, yeah. Yeah. And what you were talking about, about um, like the restoration of bringing right relationships. And yeah, I guess that's like, we're to if unbelief that justice does bring that right relationships, not only with us and God, but with others and self and then also creation. Um, I'd love to just hear what are you when it comes to justice, what are you most passionate about? Or like, where do you feel like you have a holy frustration for things as often that's like a motivation or yeah. Where are you hopeful to see justice reign? If I'm, if I'm honest, I do want to see, obviously being from Tear Fund and learning about 
our um, our ethos. You know, when I heard about the the concept of the four broken relationships, it just flipped my whole perspective when it came to my my, my walk and my Christianity. Um, and I'm able to look at every single client, every single justice issue that we see in the world, and I'm able to pinpoint where that fits in this in, within the four broken relationships. Um, and I think my heart is to see. I want people's hearts to really return to God so that they can see the brokenness in other areas of, the, of, mm. of our lives and this world. My, obviously being a black, a black boy, a black man from the UK, I've experienced things when it comes to racial injustice that I don't think is fair. But then also I've, I feel certain things when it comes to racial injustice that maybe others won't be able to feel. I remember when that whole thing happened with um, George Floyd. There was actually a video of me that went viral on TikTok. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It got nearly a million views. Wow. Yeah, I had a TikTok account, but I didn't really have a TikTok account. And all my friends were like, you should really capitalise on this, sir. Like, you should really capitalise on this. But I didn't. Because I was like, I didn't... I, don't, I, I wasn't ready for any limelight then um, or anything. Mm. Um, but I spoke out at a protest um, in Birmingham. And just a clip of it went absolutely viral. But I was just speaking from the heart. I was just speaking from a place of frustration and being tired of feeling a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. But I also want us to ache the same way for creation. You know, um, I'm still developing. I'm not saying I'm developing, but I'm still... I, wanna, I want to get to the point where I feel the same way about when I'm seeing creation destroy get destroyed and i think because he's sometimes removed from me he's on the other side of the world and i don't really see it it's able to turn a blind eye and then i ask myself am i am i just as bad as the person that turns a blind eye to racial injustice you know there's something that has to be done and i think my hope is that we as christians get past our own prejudices get past our own thought processes and start to tap into what is the heart of god um, there was, um, funny enough, I, mean, I, I only just remember this, there was a, um, in my ministerial training, there was a book that I was reading about, um, I think it was the practices of ministry, and it was talking about, there's like three levels to, there's three levels to like just our depth that we, that we want to be, and it was talking about, there was like the principles of God, so these are the standards, the morals, the rules that might people, people might speak to, and then it was the character of God. So we're looking at, okay, what characteristics of God that we know that we should emulate in terms of how do, you know, what's God's heart, what's God's heart towards, what's God's mind or characteristics towards this issue or that issue? And then they said the deeper level was the heart of God and understanding the heart of God and operating from a lens where what is, forget my thoughts, let me, let me filter it through. When I see this, what's God's what's God's mind towards this? What's God's heart towards this? And I think when we do that, we start looking at things differently. Um, mm. You know, I can't look at, I can't throw things on the floor. I can't not recycle. It's small things. I can't not recycle. I can't do those things when I know what it's doing to the earth and then also affecting people across the world. Like, what kind of dissonance or cognitive dissonance am, am I displaying here to be able to to, to, to cognitively just forget? So I can just throw something on the floor. Mm. Or put it, you know what I mean? So I think when people start tapping into the heart of God and developing the same 
hurts and pains that that God has. And we just we'll see we'll see climate justice starting to take form. We'll see racial justice. You know, we'll start seeing different areas of of life just starting to smooth out. And I think the church also has to be a voice as well. Mm. I I say it's all well and good knowing what God's heart is towards us and having a yearning, but where is the boldness now? You know, we have to have the boldness to step and speak to power. You know, um, there's a message Dr. Robert Bedford spoke at Declaration in top this, at the top of the year, and he was talking about what a prophet was. He, w- he was saying that a prophet isn't necessarily a person that just that speaks the mind of God to people in terms of like, oh, thus saith the Lord, you know, which is all well and good, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, all that kind of stuff. But he says the, the prophet had a mandate to speak to power. And if we haven't got people speaking to power or speaking in court corridors of power, then we're just like clanging cymbals. And I just think this is, that's the thing. Christ was a political figure. He, he, uh, he didn't have his bubble. He was very much in the political space, um, causing problems in the political space as well. Um, and we have to have that boldness to be able to speak truth to power mm. and not worry about the consequences. So as you kind of wrestle with these different ideas about like, you know, where your heart breaks for racial justice and your experiences and then wanting to have a heart for like the climate and then wanting to have a heart for like all justice issues like God does. How do you like, where do you take that wrestling? And yeah, just, you know, it feels like you've been on a bit of a journey, like thinking about all of these different things and then your own life and how much has changed. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. So how do you, how can youth just kind of grapple with all of that at the same time and then bring it to God? What would you suggest? Um, my suggestion? I, I want to say I have an actual answer to this, um, but the only answer I have is you need to, like, with God, go to God with your, go to God with your, with your requests and your heart pains and all that and let him speak, let him direct, um, let him be, the voice of reason, but also letting be your voice of direction as well. Um, because mm-hmm. the one thing I'm learning is that there's seasons for everything. And, you know, in one season, you might be fighting this, or in one season, you might be, this might, you might be called to this area or that area. So like, as much as I'm doing youth pastoring now, you know, in five years time, I might not be, I could be lobbying politicians for certain things or campaigning in certain areas because I don't believe God gives us passions for nothing and I think what we sometimes try and do is try and find a way to fit all our passions together at one point in time yeah in one go and, and there's so yeah there's so much going on it's not it's not possible and you know understanding that the seasons like literally there's literally literal it's taken me a long time to a long time to learn this and understand this that there is seasons for everything um and as long as God is orchestrating your life then the season will always be the right time. His time is better than our timing. His thoughts, like you said, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are better than our ways. So we have to trust that. We have to trust that there is an omnipotent, omniscient God that knows the beginning from the end that he will orchestrate our lives. So if you have passion for racial injustice, um, racial justice, go, or, and, and climate justice, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, you have to understand that sometimes there's just, you might have to take a measured approach. Um, but as long as God's leading, maybe God will give you the strength to do more than one. You never know. Mm. But it has to be God. Everything we do is God has to be God-led. Um, has to be God-led. Because even the right thing at the wrong time is is the wrong time. 
Wow. So um, it, it, it's pointless. You know, that scripture that talks about not awakening love before it's time. Um, and it's like, you know, if you, if you flip that and try to apply it, like, you know, not awakening passion before it's time or whatever. You know, what if your passion for this is right, but in 2022, it's not the right time for you to step into that space? Mm. You know? Um, maybe God's calling you to a, a, a certain space now. There might be some skills you need to learn here. How you might have to understand how to maneuver in certain spheres here, so that when you uh, when it's time for you to step into Parliament or time for you to step into here or to that, you know you know how to maneuver. So yeah, it's, it's all about God's timing, God's guidance. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'd say let God, as soon as possible, let God lead your life. My grandma used to, sorry, my grandma used to write Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in my birthday cards every year until she had her stroke. Um, um, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean on your own understanding and all your ways of knowledge and he will direct your path. Every year, this is my grandma. It's just Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I used to think, oh, whatever, man. But it's so true. <laughs> just, just literally trusting him. Yeah. He will do what he needs to do, so yeah that is so good thank you so much julian yeah just for everything you've shared thank you for your honesty and your testimony thank you for reminding us that grace covers things thanks for yeah just your heart for things and your i think even like your desire to want to have an even more bigger heart and compassion for things just Mm. god really really honors that um i wanted to read a bit from ecclesiastes 3 and then would you be willing to pray for um yeah yeah, everyone listening just felt like it fit in Um, So Ecclesiastes 3 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. Amen. Um, thank you for that. I was going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for today. Thank you for this conversation, Lord. There's so many things that you've brought to light, so many things that you've obviously spoken through myself and through Anna. Lord, I pray that every single person that listens to this podcast will be influenced and impacted in a mighty way, Lord God. But Father, more importantly, I pray, Father, that you will speak to them about their journey. Lord, let them understand that there is seasons and times for everything. But also, Lord, that they need to understand that that you are in control and their lives is in your hands as long as they allow it to be. Lord, I pray that you will galvanize some young people in their search and their passion for justice across this world. And that, Lord, it's not limited to just one area, but, Lord God, their heart will start to burn and, and, and feel what you feel, Lord Jesus. But, Father, they will surrender everything that they do, every, every, every facet of their life to you, so you can guide and direct it. Father, I thank you for the fact that there are young people in this world 
that you have ordained to be prophets to nations, to be speakers, Lord God, to be entrepreneurs, to be CEOs, to be business managers, to be campaigners, to be um, people that go in the field and mission, do missions, Lord God. Thank you that there's so many, so many of them, Lord God, that you've ordained for this. But Father, I pray that even in the fact that they have been ordained prior to being formed in their mum's womb, Lord God, that Father, I pray that they will surrender everything to you so you can be the guiding light of what they do. Thank you, Lord, for being a director for our lives. Lord, I pray that uh, that this podcast, um, that not just this episode, but episodes before and episodes to follow, Lord God, will continue to galvanise a generation that want to see your kingdom come, that want to see poverty, extreme poverty alleviated, Lord God, from this world. And Lord God, people that will speak truth to power when it's needed, Lord God. So if Lord, just take full control in what we're doing. Thank you for the words you've spoken today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, if anyone has any questions or yeah, wants to kind of hear from you, is it okay if they DM you and it's yeah, fine, man. It's fine. Hit me up. Um, hit me up whenever I will we'll, we'll chat and we'll chop it up. All also, right. you can DM us at We Are Tier Fun as well. Um, yeah, if you want to go through our route. But we're always we want to hear how you found it. If you have any questions, if you feel inspired for something, yeah, we just want to know. So yeah, message us. Awesome. Right, thank man. you so much, Julian. Hello, everyone. Hey, Anna. Hello. We only had Adam at the start, but now Sandeep has joined us again. Thank you, Sandeep, for joining us for this section of the podcast. Thank you for having me. I had FOMO, so it's good to be here. (laughs) You know what I thought was so cool about hearing Julian's testimony was like, we know him as like a colleague and we've seen him like powerfully preach when it comes to like justice together when he talks about racial justice. But like hearing his story of like where he's, you know, his like journey to like really like depending on Jesus, like what he's been through and stuff. Yeah, I just thought it was like very honest and vulnerable of him to share that. But also like it's so encouraging to see how much grace has been over his life. Um, so yeah, I thought it was cool, like the inside scoop into Julian and like his testimony. What did you guys think about yeah the interview? I thought the same. I thought it was brilliant how he was so vulnerable and authentic and real. And I think, I mean, that's what we want, isn't it, from people? Like our generations, like the younger generation, we're crying out for authenticity in conversations, in difficult conversations. And he just did that so well. And yeah, what a beautiful testimony to the grace of God and seeing how God steps into mess. Like God's not afraid of our mess. And I think he said something about God not being afraid or God not being disgusted at what we've been through or being ashamed. I can't remember the exact word in, but I just loved that he said that because it's so true. And it's something that we need to hear more of, that God wants to be in our mess with us and redeem us, restore us from that. So it was beautiful hearing from Julian. Yeah, and I think, yeah, the same, that, like, authenticity of of telling this story and, like, I think it can definitely be difficult to have church leaders and people look up to them and think they're perfect and think that they haven't, you know, done things in their lives that, they, that might have led them down wrong paths and things. But, uh, yeah, having that authenticity and that honesty and that, you know, I don't know, humbleness to, like, admit those things is really, yeah, it's really cool, I think. It's really nice. Mm, I mean it does make you think like what are the parts of your life where Jesus has really redeemed it like you from the mess to like a place of restoration and how much do we openly like celebrate God for that there's definitely like more testimonies I have that I'm probably not as open about maybe for like pride or not wanting to show like that you can like fall short and stuff 
but actually like I'm sure Julian by sharing that like he's encouraged us I'm sure he's encouraged so many people to still stand in that so I guess it's like what testimonies can we bring out as well and something that also stayed with me was like he was talking about how like his heart yeah he feels like really passionately about racial justice and his heartbreak for it and like how he's part of like campaigns and protests in black lives matter but then also he was like i want my heart to ache as much about like the climate crisis or climate justice and i think it really challenged me because sometimes we can be like oh my justice issue is this one and then and i do think like we have specific like anointing or calling in specific ways But I think it just shows that like Jesus has no favoritism in what he cares about. Like his heart is so big and he's so compassionate that he could care about all of them as one. So then as the church, we've got to make sure we're all caring about it at the same time and like having that unity across the board. Yeah, I really resonated with what Julian said with that, actually. And and just what you said there, Anna, about all justice issues being seen the same and that God's heart is big enough for them all. And it made me think that like, how we tackle each issue will always look differently uh, in approaches because they're different issues. Um, But what should be the same is how our heart should at least desire justice across all the areas. So though the approach may look different, our desires and our inward looking that when Jesus says, love one another and love your enemies and that vengeance is his, not ours, like his way of looking at justice, like it should look the same across the board as in like our hearts should ache for that across the board. And I'm definitely on my journey of discovering more and more of how justice issues and different issues actually intertwine. So what we, you know, what we do in tier fund and looking at in our community, looking at how all these issues are seen like poverty is linked to every single issue we're seeing. The displacement of people is linked to, we're seeing race, racism within those areas Um, and the climate crisis affecting that and it just the way all these issues kind of intertwine I've been mind blown over the past year of just discovering more about that and looking at that from our community uh, together as we've looked at those things yeah I think there's always like it's that it's kind of a I don't want to say buzzword but it's become like a, a a word that people use a lot now is intersectionality of those those issues that what Sandeep was talking about having having them all kind of intermingle and all lead into each other and that you know men and women probably experience racism in slightly different ways or very different ways in some cases disabled people might experience them in different ways poor people might experience them in different ways people being challenged by the climate crisis more than others might experience racism in different ways so to be able to it's almost um you're doing the cause a kind of disservice if you're not looking at those other ways of doing it as well, or, or if you're not open to looking at those other ways of doing it. Um, yeah, I think it, it just broadens your horizons to what all the other issues and what all the, all the niche parts of, of racism or whatever might uh, your justice issue might be. Yeah, and Julian mentioned the four broken relationships and we kind of touched on them briefly. But Sandy, you actually have an amazing TikTok series and will be on Instagram Reels coming out. So do you want to just explain a bit more about yeah, what they are and what your series is about? Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't want to give it all away because I want people to check it out on TikTok. We are Tear Fund and on our Reels. But essentially, we break down the four broken relationships, which is that um, we have a broken relationship with God. We have a broken relationship with ourselves. We have a broken relationship with each other and we have a broken relationship with creation. And that can sound so depressing, but that's not the end of the story. Actually, 
God is in the business of redeeming us from these broken relationships and he's already started that work and he's continuing to do it each and every day around us. So it's super exciting because like, you know, as we're listening to this podcast now, one of the reels and TikToks will have been released. So yeah, watch this space for the rest of them, but it's exciting. We've got more to come. Amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you again, Adam and Sandy, for joining me. And thank you to those at home or in your cars listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. But if you liked what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe, give us a five-star rating and follow us on Instagram at WeAreTearFund. And also we have loads of episodes that we've done with amazing speakers. So have a scroll through our series um, and listen to another one. All right, that's all for now, folks. Nice. Bye, guys. Bye.